Hello, this is、uh, Dr. Pengxian Qian, the editor in chief of High Rhythm. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The October 2023 issue is a focus issue on sudden death. The first article is titled "Prevalence of Illicit Drug Use in Young Patients with Sudden Cardiac Death." A total of 554 patients had out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, with 523 undergoing toxicological assessment. There were 170 patients, or 32.5 percent, having either positive toxicology for illicit drugs or negative toxicology, but reported regular drug use. Patients with sudden cardiac deaths and illicit drug use were more commonly male, smokers, excess alcohol drinkers, and had a psychiatric diagnosis. The authors conclude. That approximately one third of young patients with sudden cardiac death have positive toxicology at the time of death, or reported frequent use of illicit drugs with high rates of polysubstance abuse. The second article is titled "Predicting Arrhythmic Event Score in Bugatti Syndrome: Worldwide Pooled Analysis with Internal and External Validation." The purpose of this study was to create a novel score that is predicting arrhythmic event or PAT with internal and external validation. A systematic review was performed to identify risk factors for major arrhythmic events in 67 studies. Pooled odds ratio were estimated, indicating that 15 of 23 risk factors were significant. The PAT score was then developed accordingly. The PAT score has significantly better discrimination than the existing risk-predicting scores in an external validation cohort. The authors conclude that the PAT score was useful in predicting major adverse events for primary prevention in patients with Brugada syndrome. Coming up is、uh, omnipolar versus bipolar mapping to guide ventricular tachycardia ablation. Omnipolar technology, or OT, was recently proposed to generate electroanatomic voltage maps with orientation-independent electrograms. A total of 24 patients underwent VT ablation under OT guidance. The sensitivity and the specificity of detection of the VT isthmus in the deceleration zones were respectively 75% and 65% for OT, and 35% and 55% for bipolar mapping. At 8.4 months, 71% free from VT recurrence was achieved. The authors conclude that OT is a valuable tool for guiding VT ablation. Providing more accurate identification of late potentials and isochronal crowding due to slightly higher voltages. Up next is artificial intelligence for detection of ventricular oversensing. Machine learning approaches for noise detection within non-sustained ventricular tachycardia episodes, remotely transmitted by pacemakers and implantable cardioverter defibrillators. A total of 807 devices transmitted 10,471 non-sustained VT recordings, 
of which 87 devices, or 10.8%, transmitted 544 non-sustained VT recordings with non-physiological signals. The authors found that the machine learning algorithms accurately detected non-physiological signals within electrograms transmitted by pacemakers and ICDs. An artificial intelligence approach may render remote monitoring less resourceful and improve patient safety. The next one is a case report titled Pulse Field Ablation versus Radio Frequency Ablation for Ventricular Tachycardia, the first in human case of histological lesion analysis. Pulse field ablation is a new modality of non-thermal lesion formation that seems to be safe and has the potential to increase the efficacy of VT ablation given the ability to better penetrate scar tissue areas. This is the first in human case of histological analysis of both PFA and RFA lesions in the left ventricle. The study showed similar depth penetration but different lesion characteristics with apoptotic-like cellular lesions and the notable lack of inflammation in PFA. Non-gated PFA in the ventricle can be arrhythmogenic. That case report is followed by a letter titled How much endocardial scar homogenization is required for successful ablation of ischemic ventricular tachycardia. The results suggest that ablation density in ischemic scar does not influence VT ablation outcomes, further supporting that mapping and ablating functional substrate should take preference. This may lead to a reduced quantity of ablation without negatively affecting outcomes. The October issue also includes the following article not focused on sudden deaths. The first one is titled Left Ventricular Lead Implantation Failure in an Unselected Nationwide Cohort. The authors studied patients with left bundle branch block and ejection fraction less than or equal to 35% who underwent planned de novo transvenous CRT implantation and were reported to the National Cardiovascular Data Registry, ICD Registry. Of the 100 and 10,802 patients who underwent a planned CRD procedure, 3.6% or 3,979 had left ventricular lead implant failure. The authors conclude that left ventricular lead implant failure is uncommon in the current era and is most commonly due to coronary sinus access failure. Predictors of left ventricular lead implant failure included younger age, female sex, black race, Hispanic ethnicity, increased QRS duration, sleep apnea, and absence of electrophysiology training. Up next is six differences in Lila's pacemaker implantation, a propensity-matched analysis from I-LEAPER or LEAPER registry. Of the overall population of 1,179 patients, 64.3% were men. After propensity matching, 738 patients with no significant baseline differences among groups were identified, 
during the median follow-up of 25 months, female sex was not associated with Lila's pacemaker-related major complications or all-cause mortality. Lila's pacemaker electrical performance results were comparable between groups, except for a higher pacing impedance in women at implant and during follow-up that remained within normal limits. The authors conclude there are differences in sex-related referral patterns for Lila's pacemaker implantation with an under-representation of women. However, major complication rate and Lila's pacemaker performance were comparable between sexes. The next one is early left bundle branch pacing in heart failure with mildly reduced ejection fraction and left bundle branch block. Left and trigger ejection fraction of 35 to 50% defines the heart failure with mildly reduced ejection fraction, or HFMREF. 54 patients were enrolled and analyzed as compared with guideline-directed medical therapy. Left bundle branch pacing achieved greater improvement in left ventricular ejection fraction, reduction of left ventricular in-diastolic diameter, and the New York Heart Association classification, and a similar reduction of anti-pro-BNP at six months. Early left bundle branch pacing showed significantly reduced clinical events after 20.68 plus minus 13.55 months of follow-up. The authors concluded that early left bundle branch pacing with guideline-directed medical therapy demonstrated greater improvement of cardiac function and reduced clinical events than guideline-directed medical therapy alone in patients with heart failure and mildly reduced ejection fraction and left bundle branch block. Coming up is ventricular arrhythmias in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy patients. Prevalence, distribution, predictors, and outcome. The authors retrospectively analyzed all patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and an ICD from a prospectively derived registry in two tertiary uh, medical centers. Of the 1,328 hypertrophic cardiomyopathy patients, 207 were implanted with ICDs. Over a mean follow-up of 10 years, 37 patients with ICDs of 18% developed sustained ventricular tachyarrhythmias. Sustained monomorphic VT was the most common arrhythmia linked to decreased left ventricular ejection fraction and increased left ventricle in systolic and in diastolic diameters. The authors conclude that VT rather than ventricular fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia in patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. It is amenable to anti-tachycardia pacing and is associated with lower left ventricular ejection fraction and higher left ventricular diameters. The next one is implications of the anatomy of popular muscle connections for mapping and ablation of focal ventricular arrhythmias. Ventricular arrhythmias originating from popular muscles can be challenging when targeted with castor ablation. 
The authors found that the multimodality imaging identifies anatomic details, the popular muscles that facilitate the mapping and ablation of ventricular arrhythmias. In more than a third of patients with popular muscle ventricular arrhythmias, ventricular arrhythmia originate from connections between popular muscles and the surrounding myocardium, or between other popular muscles. Ventricular arrhythmia electrocardiographic morphologies are different when they originate from popular muscle connecting sites, as compared to ventricular arrhythmias originating from popular muscle body. Up next is a contemporary review titled Towards Advanced Diagnosis and Management of Inherited Arrhythmia Syndromes, Harnessing the Capabilities of Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning. In this contemporary review, the authors provide a summary of the artificial intelligence models developed to solve challenges in inherited arrhythmia syndromes and also outline gaps that can be filled with the development of intelligence, artificial intelligence models. The next one is a hands-on article on how to perform Purkinje tissue ablation for the treatment of idiopathic ventricular fibrillation. Castor ablation of Purkinje-related idiopathic VF is challenging. The strategy of choice is to target the initiating PVC and the surrounding Purkinje tissue. These arrhythmias frequently originate from free-running Purkinjes present in intracavitary structures, false tendons, moderator bands, and popular muscles, warranting the use of intracardiac echo. Sharp, discrete, Premuscular Purkinje potentials are usually recordable in the areas of interest, and an increased Purkinje to local muscular activation delay during PVC is a rule. The October issue has four research letters. The first is conduction defects in pediatric patients with Pearson syndrome. When to pace? Given the risk associated with advanced heart block, the authors propose a new bundle branch or fascicular block to indicate pro prophylactic pacemaker implantation in this population. Patients with eye findings may be at higher risk for developing conduction abnormalities. The next one is mitral annular disjunction and arrhythmias in Marfan syndrome. This study suggests that mitral annular disjunction is common in patients with Marfan syndrome and is strongly associated with bileaflet mitral valve prolapse. Patients with mitral annular disjunction are at risk of developing arrhythmic events at a younger age and may require closer clinical follow-up. Up next is versatility of the novel single-shot devices in multicenter analysis. The authors report that both objective and subjective data support the remarkable versatility of novel single-shot devices for PV isolation, which allowed experienced operators to comfortably move from pre-existing to newer technologies. The last research letter is financial burden of drugs prescribed for management of atrial fibrillation. The authors report that the average cost of brand name formulations was much higher than that of their genetic counterparts. Of particular interest 
is a reduction in cost of prescriptions by a significant margin afforded by good Rx coupons. They also suggested a number of approaches to reduce the drug cost for AF management. A final article is 2023 HRS Expert Consensus Statement on the Management of Arrhythmias During Pregnancy. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For Heart Rhythm, I'm the Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Pin Shen Chen.